God's forgiveness wipes away the guilt and shame that robs us of our peace. This is the last message in the series, It's Time to Change Your Mind. The message is entitled, Keep the Peace. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're going to conclude our series of messages that we've been involved in for the last six weeks. This will be our seventh message in this series as we've been talking about it's time to, say it with me, change your your mind. And we're going to sort of wrap things up tonight with a message entitled, Keep the Peace, Hold on to the Peace. As we've been talking about in this series, the Bible is very clear about the fact that you and I need to pay attention to what goes in our mind, what happens in our thinking. As we've talked about in the series, God gave you this amazing organ called a brain, and that brain that He has given you is programmable. You have the capacity to choose the way you're going to think, to utilize your free will to choose thought patterns and processes of life. And then your life is affected by those choices that you make. Take a look again at our main theme verse for this, uh, this series. Be careful what you think. This is Proverbs 4.23. Be careful what you think. Perhaps you can say the rest with me because you're... What are your thoughts doing? Your thoughts are running your life. And so we have to recognize that whatever thought patterns and thought processes we choose, they're going to have an effect upon us. And that's why the Apostle Paul reminded us in Romans chapter 12, again, of how our lives are changed, how we grow in our faith. It has to do much with our thinking. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform or change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What Paul is saying there, uh, and many different things that Paul is saying, but one of the things that I think you and I need to grasp, if we're going to be a growing Christian, growing in our faith, it means that our thinking has to change. You can't change your life without changing your thinking. Now, in this series so far, we've talked about uh, several things. We've talked about the importance of your perspective. That's a part of your thinking. We've talked about the importance of your expectations, what you expect of God, how you expect in faith of Him working in your life, faith, believing in God as a part of your thought process. We've talked about how you deal with attitudes in your life. Your attitudes are a sequence of thoughts that go toward other people and toward life itself. We talked about the value of your commitments, what you put your mind to. Those are the commitments of your life. And last weekend, I talked about eliminating the lies, being able to get those things out of your life that are causing you to think things that are untrue about God, untrue about yourself, untrue about other people, and untrue about the world around you, that you need to eliminate those things. As I mentioned, if you take the first letter of each of those words I just mentioned, you'll find that those, uh, there's the acronym of peace, that God wants you to experience peace of mind. Isn't it wonderful when your mind is at peace? Nothing like it. When your mind is really at a place of being just peaceful and you're not troubled by anything and you don't get there just automatically and you don't get there accidentally. You get there by choosing the way you think. Your, your thought process leads you either to peace or away from peace. Now, I hope that in this series so far that you've begun to change some things about the way that you're thinking, and I hope that you've begun to experience a greater level of peace. That's part of the reason that we gave you uh, the little book that we gave you last week. It's called 21 Days to a Better Way of Thinking. If you were here last weekend and you didn't get a copy because we did run out of those, uh, I think the usher
ushers have some available. You can get one on the way out or at the Resource Center. Uh, if you want extra copies for other people, we do have some extra copies at the Resource Center available per, for purchase. Uh, but again, if you'd like to get a free copy or you missed it last week, this is our gift to you to help you to get started in that process of the transformation of your thinking changing your life. And once you begin to experience peace by the way that you think and changing the way you think, it's important to keep it. You don't want to have it just for a day or two or for a week or two. I, I would like to have more peace for the rest of my life. How about you? Okay. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight about how having now begun to experience the pathway to peace, how do we effectively keep that peace? How do we maintain it in our lives? And there's going to be some review in what I talk about tonight. I think it's always important to go back and remember some of the principles that we've learned in the series, but there'll be some fresh things that I want you to think about as well. So uh, let's dive in tonight to the idea of how do you keep the peace of God in your mind. There are five things in this sort of final review that I want to bring to your attention. The first thing sort of builds on what we talked about last weekend. You have to carefully control your mental intake. My prayer for myself and for you as well is that going forward from this series that you'll be far more careful about the intake into your mind. What are you taking in? If I ask you how much poison are you willing to tolerate in your food, what would your answer be? I hope it would be none. If we said, let me just put a little bit of poison in your food, how much would you, how, how would you really like that? Most of us would say, no, no, I don't want any poison in my food whatsoever. However, so many times when it comes to our minds and our thinking, without really paying attention to what's coming our way, we take in poison to our minds and what we're reading and what we're watching and what we're listening to and what we're meditating upon and the conversations that we have. All of those things are intakes into your life. And I just want to remind you, you have control over what you intake. Just think about maybe if you had some plumbing in your house before that you needed to shut off a valve somewhere. Most plumbing in the house will have a shut off valve and you can go and shut that valve off and things will not flow there anymore because you've shut the valve off. And I want you to think of your mind as having a shut off valve, but the mind is not going to shut off until you make, take the action to do so. And that is called something that we will call here tonight self-control. Say it with me. The way you, you control your mental intake is by controlling your, yourself, okay? And a lot of times we don't think about the fact that you're in charge of you, okay? You get to tell yourself what you can and can't do. You get to pull the, open up the, 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 the valve or close the valve in your life in terms of what comes in and what you're willing to think about and the conversations you're willing to have and the things you're willing to watch or listen to in life. You have a shutoff valve and that's called self-control. Let's take a look at some verses of scripture that emphasize this for us. Proverbs 25 verse 28. Why don't you read it together with me aloud and loudly. Here we go. A person without Self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, obviously, this goes back to ancient times. And in ancient times, uh, most major cities were walled cities. And the walls represented what protected the city from being invaded by enemy forces. 
And the Bible says that a person without self-control, if you haven't established self-control in your life, is like an ancient city that didn't have any walls around it. It was vulnerable to whatever forces might want to come in at any time. Now, we don't want our lives to be that way. And so it's telling us that self-control is a protective dimension of life. It will protect you. It will wall your life against things that might be and could very well be and will very well be destructive in your life. Take a look now with me, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Look at what it says. A true athlete, Paul is talking about his own spiritual journey, his relationship with God, and how important it was to have discipline in his life. And so he's using an athletic analogy. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing, constant. Where's, what's the word again? self-controlled in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers, but we run our, our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. None of us will be victorious in our spiritual journey without this thing called self-control. Take a look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know this verse well. Why don't we read it aloud again together? Are you ready? This is from New Living Translation. Read with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's stop there for a moment. Anybody thankful for that? Okay. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. What kind of spirit has God given us of power, love, and self-discipline? Again, that could be translated. Other translations use the phrase self-control there. So we think, my goodness, do I really have the power to control myself? Yes. The scripture says God didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but he has given you a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do you know that God has empowered you to say yes to yourself when you need to say yes, and God has empowered you to say no to yourself when you need to say Say no to yourself. In fact, if you'll read in Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's a gift of God given to you. You have that ability in your life. So we need to stop. All of us need to stop allowing anything and everything that comes along to have entrance into our minds, into our lives. But in the name of Jesus, take charge. Self-control. Now, when it comes to self-control, what I'm talking about is not only stopping the poison that comes in, but cleaning out any poison that comes in. The best thing to do is to stop it before it gets inside of you. Any of you ever had a, a, a bad meal? You've gotten, had maybe uh, stomach poisoning before. You've eaten something that was, not, it was maybe bad and it really affected you. And so you realize, my goodness, I, I wish I had not eaten that, but I did. What do I do now? Okay, that's the idea, okay? So the biggest thing is to make sure you avoid the stuff, and you've got to make some choices. We all do have to make some hard choices about what comes into our house through our television, what comes into our house through the movies that we watch. This is not legalism. This is just you being healthy, okay? You being having a healthy mind. What comes into your house through your, through your computer. You're making choices and you choose that. But sometimes some stuff sneaks in that you didn't catch along the way and you find that you've been mentally poisoned by something. What do you do then? Well, you make the decision to go to God to have a mind cleansing. I'm glad that God can clean out your mind, aren't you? You say, are you sure that can happen? Yes, it can. Take a look with me at Psalm 51. 
Psalmist David had some mental problems with his own life, some things that got, uh, were, were soiled in his life, and so he prays this prayer. Keep, he's, he's talking to God now. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. So here is David crying out for his heart to be clean again, for his mind to be Purified. I will tell you that when you get poisoned, the best thing you can do is find the antidote, and that's nothing other than the blood of Jesus cleansing your mind from that, that stuff that gets inside of you, and God is faithful to do that, as we'll get to in a moment, as you approach Him with that need. Second thing, you want to stay in the peace of God? Amen? What do you have to do? You have to do what? You got to control your mental content but you also, this is so important, you've got to live in love. That's how you maintain the right attitude because love and peace always go together. You can't really separate those two. An absence of love will generally mean an absence of peace. If there's, if there's an absence of love in a marriage, will you have a lot of peace in the home? Chances not not very high that that's going to happen. And so you need both of these things working together. So to have peace, love has to be present because the presence of love actually brings peace. And the most comforting, peaceful experience you can have is to know that you're unconditionally loved. That does tremendous things for you. That is, if I know that I'm unconditionally loved, that there's nothing that I can do that could cause someone to stop loving me, then I have a tremendous peace or confidence in the way that I can live my life. I can move forward with my life because of that confidence. Now, here's the problem. There are no human beings, although they may try very hard, there are no human beings that can absolutely, without any doubt, promise you that they're going to love you all the time, forever, unconditionally. That's the problem we get into. We expect people to unconditionally always love us. That's great if someone loves you uh, deeply and, and, and with a sincere love, but probably at some point in time, you're going to do something or could do something that would offend them or hurt them along the way. And there's the possibility as, as extent, whatever extent it might be that you could do something so serious or so, so, so intense in the relationship that they may say, you know what? I'm kind of done with you. There's always that risk with people, right? Anybody ever had someone that you thought would stick by your side forever and they didn't? You thought that you could count on them and they were going to be there through thick and thin and then all of a sudden they just disappeared from your life. You thought they were your best friend, your closest bosom buddy and they're not here anymore. Why? Because unconditional love in humanity is very rare if not completely impossible for people to do. But I will tell you something. There is one who loves you unconditionally. It's very important that we draw the distinction. Because if you're looking for it from a human, you're not going to get it. But if you're looking for it from your creator, he's already made a decision that he loves you and there's nothing you can ever do that will cause him to stop loving you. Isn't that good? You and I need to take just a deep breath. I'm so glad to know somebody loves me like that, right? 
I'm so glad to know that I'm so secure in God's love that I don't need to spend my time or energy worrying about if he's going to love me or not. I'm completely accepted by him. Now, he may not always accept my, he certainly doesn't always accept my behavior, but he always accepts me. I'm safe in his love. Take a look at this foundational truth here in 1 John chapter 3, the first part of uh, verse number 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. See how very much our Father loves us. It's not a small love, it is a large love. First John chapter 4, look again at what John gives us here. God showed how much, there's that concept again, how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Isn't that wonderful? Again, it's assuring us of the unconditional love of God. Again, we're in 1 John. By the way, 1 John's a great book to, to understand the concept of love. Such love, talking about the love that we just described, has no fear because perfect love, and only God can love you perfectly. What does it do? It expels all. And I promise you, when you're afraid, you're not going to have any peace in your life. Fear robs you of peace. So perfect love expels all fear if we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. So you and I need to have absolute confidence in the fact that we are loved by God. That's why in this little book that we gave you this last week, we, there's several actually pages in this book or, or, or days of this 21 days that we focus on the love of God for your life because the more secure you are in God's love, the more peace you're going to have in your life. Now, what robs us, what's the primary thing that will rob you or make you afraid that God doesn't love you anymore? Think about that for a moment. What's the number one thing that gets into your mind that causes you to wonder if God really loves you anymore? I'll give you the answer. Probably some of you already know it, and that's guilt, right? Or shame. If anything's going to cause me to wonder if God still loves me the way the Bible says he does, it's when I mess up, okay, and I feel guilty about the fact that I've missed the mark with God, and I begin to feel ashamed at some level in my life about where I am in my relationship with God, before long, I have a fear of what? Have you ever been there before? God must be mad at me now. He must be wanting to punish me in some way. And so it begins to move you out of this peaceful sense of God's love into a fear of punishment. And we go back, such love, perfect love, has no fear but we find ourselves afraid because of guilt and shame. That's why the Scripture is so clear in giving us these kind of verses. Uh, one of my favorite, as you know, as I mention it so often, but if we confess our sins to Him, what is He? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's that confidence that even our failures 
will never stop God from loving us. Isaiah chapter 43, 25, God's words to us. Yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Isn't that a good verse of Scripture? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have, what do we have? What are we talking about today? Peace. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Philippians 3.13. Read this with me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. That's perfection. But I, read with me, I focus on this one thing. What does he say he does? What do you use to focus on something? What do you use to focus on something? Your mind, right? Paul says, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived there. I've not achieved perfection, but I, I put my mind on this. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So you and I need to recognize that even in the moments that we, we, we miss it with God, that God comes along and offers us a way back to him, and we need to take advantage of that because it's what Jesus died on the cross for so we could stay in relationship with God. But this living in love is not sufficient if it's just about you and God, okay? It's wonderful to love God. It's wonderful for God to love us. That's great. But it has to get, if you're going to have peace in your life, you have to translate that into your relationships with other people as well. You and I need to live in love toward others. Take a look at these two verses that I'm going to give you. Ephesians, actually two verses here and one other passage we'll look at. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now stop with me for a moment. Think about this for a bit. I want you to think about your own life just for a moment here. If you're bitter towards someone or something, if you're raging about it, if there's anger boiling inside of you about something, if you're generating harsh words, if you're speaking slanderous things about other people, if evil is in control of your life, how much peace are you going to have? I don't have any peace, okay? So all of these things are anti-peace. All these things are going to drive peace completely out of your, I promise you, if you're bitter and you're raging around your house or your office or you're angry or you're always speaking harsh words, I'm telling you, you're not going to have any peace, nor will people around you have any peace. Just not going to happen. So that's why we're told to, to, to get rid of that, get it out of our life, to, to, to extinguish it from our lives, but instead to be kind, tender, hearted, forget this, to treat others the way Christ has treated us. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Imitate God. Paul continues this theme. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. He's reminding us of our relationship with him. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma unto God. So peace is kept 
We're talking about keeping the peace. How do you keep the peace? You've got to take control of what's coming in, the, the intake of your life. You've got to make a decision to live in love. As soon as you slip out of love toward bitterness or unforgiveness or anger that's boiling in your life, I promise you the peace is going to go away. Here's our third thing. We're looking at five of these tonight. How do you stay in the peace of God? You have to pray through your problems. There's no way, these are simple statements, but very important uh, practices in our life. You've got to pray through them. Anybody tonight have any problems in your life? Of course you do. If I handed out a sheet of paper tonight to each one of you and said, list your problems, everybody should have at least one. If you don't have any, come see me. I'll share one of mine with you. Okay, I'll be glad to do that, okay? But you've got to make the decision, what do I do? Because what do problems do to your life? They take away your peace, okay? As soon as a problem comes up, it says, I'd like to enter your world, but when I come in, I'm taking peace from you. You don't have any peace. Instead, instead of focusing on what is peaceful, you focus on the problem. It becomes very real. And so we have to know what to do with problems if we're going to keep the peace. Because your life, let me just say it, your life, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Your life from the time now until you die is going to to be filled with problems. There'll never be a time in life being a Christian does not ensure that you'll never have any problems. Jesus made it very clear. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Life can be very hard sometimes. Everybody's going to have some problems along the way. I know you did not come to church tonight to hear that wonderful promise, uh, but I'm just reminding you of the reality that you need to live in. So you need to know what do I do when problems come, because if I don't know what to do when problems come, I will constantly be losing my peace. I'll never be able to be sustained in peace. So let's look at what the scriptures say. Some of you know this well, but let's be reminded of it. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. Notice what the promise is in the next verse. If you do this, if you do what? If you don't worry, but instead pray. So if you do that, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human. What are we talking about here? Time to change your. Isn't it interesting how many times you see these, ver these, these concepts in Scripture? which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace, there it is again, will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Look at, I'm going to come back to this in a moment. Let's read a couple of other, other verses. So God's rest, because the opposite of, 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 of turmoil and anxiety over your problems is rest. So God's rest is there. It's available for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. It's talking about the children of Israel in the Old Testament. But he's reminding us that God's rest is there. It's available for people to enter. God has a restful place for you to step into in your life as you pray through your problems. Colossians 3, 14 and 15. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, you have to get it from him. How do you get peace from Christ? You've got to go to him, okay? 
That's where you get it. It doesn't just happen in your life. And let the peace that comes from Christ, it comes because you went to him. You made a step in this direction. Let it rule in your hearts for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be what? Thankful. So I'm going to give you some, some words here that will help you to understand. These are not on your notes. They're not on the screens. But let me just give you sort of a breakdown. When you've got a problem in your life, what do you do to stay in peace? Well, for, yeah, you pray. But what does that mean? It means you tell God what's concerning you. That means you've got to go to God and get on your knees or sit in your chair or whatever you do or do your walk. It doesn't matter your posture so much. as It matters that you really communicate to God not because God needs the information. I mean, you know that God doesn't need you to inform him as to what's going on in your life. He already knows. But you need that interaction so that you can work your way through whatever problem is in your life. So you go to God and say, God, I'm having this significant problem at work. And, and describe it to God. It's okay. The, all through the pages of the Bible, especially the book of Psalms, you see David talking about his problems. He doesn't hold them back. It's not as though he's trying to inform God again. He's just freely talking to God about his problems. And I found in my own life that sometimes that alone is extremely therapeutic, just to be able to tell God what's going on in my life. Because let me, let's see if we can take a step to the side for a moment. What do you normally do when you have a problem? You want to tell somebody about it, right? You pick up the phone, hey, do you know what's going on with me? Let me tell you what's really happened at work. This is terrible. Or you text somebody, you want to, the natural inclination is to tell somebody when you've got a problem. I've got to tell somebody about this. Well, st stop worrying about telling other people. First and foremost, tell God, okay? Tell him, okay? And then after you've told God, then you ask God to take care of the problem for you, okay? So God, I've told you what's going on. I'm specifically asking you, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. So the idea is, God, I'm asking you, I've got this issue going on in my life and I'm asking you to get involved here. I know that you are, but, but I'm asking specifically that there would be a, an invasion from heaven to earth because that's what prayer is. Prayer is bringing heaven down into our earth. God, would you release a resource, whatever it might be, work in this situation. And then the third thing you do is you've got to give it up. You've got to release it. So tell, ask, release. Say it with me. Tell, ask, release. I tell God. I just communicate, this is what's going on, this is what I'm feeling about it, these are all the things I'm going through right now, I'm feeling really anxious about it, I'm worried about this, I'm concerned about that, God, I'm just pouring out all this stuff to you, I'm pouring out my distress to you, now God, I'm asking you to get involved, I'm asking you to help, I'm asking you to work in some way in this situation according to your will, but Lord, I'm asking for your intervention here, and now Lord, I want to I release it to you. I'm going to give you an example of release, because I want you to have a, a mental picture of release just for a moment. Uh, I want to I give this book away. Somebody says, like, this is one of my devotional books. It's just a little, it's called, there you go, your hand went up first. Come on right up here, real, really quick. I'm going to give you, you're going to become an illustration for me tonight. Now, this book is supposed to be a positive book and a good book, but we're going to pretend it's a problem right now, okay? So I got this problem, and you're going you're gonna to be, you're, in just a moment, I'm going to pass this problem off to you. You got to get closer. I'm not going to hurt you. I promise you, okay? okay? My arms aren't that long, okay? 
So I want you just to picture this as a problem that you're carrying around with you. As long as it's in here, it's going to weigh you down. As long as it's in here, you're going to be thinking. You'll be looking down. You're going to be flipping through it. Look at this. Look at all this stuff going on in my life. My goodness, this is terrible. And all it's going to do is going to rob you of your peace. Continue Every day you wake up. Let's see. How's the problem doing today? Okay. Okay. Next. Uh, it still isn't soft. So you, you carry it around with you. Okay. You carry it around with you. Okay. You carry it around with you. And so... Releasing means that you're going to get rid of it. It means that you're not going to carry it around because you told God about it and you've asked him to do something and now you're going to move beyond just asking to something called faith. And we'll get to that in a moment. I'll explain it to you in just a bit. But you're going to release and when I release, I'm putting it in your hand. Don't leave yet, okay? Because this is the game we play with God, okay? That's great, God. Here's my problem. But I think I'll keep a part of it, okay? She's stubborn. Okay, she's that's good. You weren't re- prepared for that, were you? Okay. She's a good, good trooper here. But don't you do that? We all do it, don't we? We give it and then we grab it and pull it back because we're not quite sure that we really want to give it up because we kind of think that maybe we can figure it out, we can work through it, or we'll get some people working on it for us. But what God wants you to do is he wants you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have some responsibility. I'll get to that in a moment. But he, he wants you just to take the problem and say, okay, God, I'm really giving it to you. Okay? I'm not going to flip through the book anymore. Okay? It's not my book anymore. I'm not flipping through the pages to see how the problem's going. I gave it to you. And now I thank you. That's the next one, though. Ask Tell, ask, what? Tell, ask, release, and thank, okay? Thank you for taking the book. I appreciate it. I wanted to get that book off my hands, and so I finally got somebody to take it, okay? It's good. So I want you to see that that's the process that you have to engage if you're going to keep peace. Let me go to two more really quickly here. I kind of touched on the last one for a moment ago, but you have to default to trust. What does default mean? When you reset your computer, everything goes back to what? Default, okay, it goes back to whatever it was programmed to be. And so what you wanna do in your spiritual journey is always default to trusting God. Not trusting you, but trusting God. That as life situations arise and hardships and challenges and situations that are hard to understand, the default position is not to not trust God, the default position is to trust God, okay? That I always default to say God is better at handling this than I am. Isaiah 26, verse three, you will keep in perfect, what are we talking about? Keeping the peace, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always. Notice that always. That's the default position for the Lord God is the eternal rock. And we know that God, this is Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do you know that verse of scripture? What an amazing verse. It puts us in a position of trust. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 
17 and 18, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see see will last forever. He's talking about an eternal vision of God's God's work in our lives. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it's a great story if you have time to read it. How you, you remember the story of how Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, and then they eventually find out that, uh, that, that the one that's now giving them food is their very own brother, and they're concerned that, that Joseph is going to kill them. Go back and read uh, uh, Exo- excuse me, Genesis chapter 50. You'll get the whole flow of it. And here's what, here's what Joseph says to his brothers as they're afraid that they're going to be destroyed. As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. For he brought me to this high position I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. You know that God is able to take what the enemy means for evil and turn it into something good into your life. That's trusting in who God is. Here's my last point. Live what? Responsibly. I want to help you to think about this word responsibly very briefly for a moment. To live responsibly doesn't mean that you get everything right and do everything right in your life. What it means is this. It means that you learn how to be responsive to God. You're not going to get everything right all the time. There'll be moments that you'll miss the mark, moments that you'll have just situations that you won't even realize how you got yourself into. But you, you learn to be responsive to God, that as soon as God reveals something to you, you begin to change and work on it in your life. I'll ask you this question. Think about it in your own life. Has there ever been a time that you were engaged in something in life or thinking a certain way, and, and maybe you're reading your Bible or you came to a church service and God began to help you to understand His Word, and you saw things differently than you saw before, and you're sort of like you had your eyes open. You ever had that moment? Maybe it's reading a verse of Scripture. That's called revelation, okay? That a moment when God steps into your life and He says, hey, look at it from this perspective. Did you ever see it this way? And so responsibility means that I respond to God when He does that in my life, that I'm now embracing that and making that a part of who I am, that I learn to live responsive to God. Because God, we're on a journey with Him. We have to learn to respond to Him dynamically. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 32, this is our last verse today, and the effect of righteousness, righteousness is being in right relationship with God. To be in right relationship with God, you have to be responsive to God. You've got to respond to Him. Okay. And the effect of righteousness will be what? peace, and the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. So what have we talked about tonight? We've talked about the fact that you and I want to live in the love. We want to live in peace. We want to keep the peace. To do that, we've got to control the intake. We have to develop our self-control. We have to choose that we're going to live in love, not let love depart from us. We're going to learn to pray through our problems, that when problems come our way, what are we going to default to? trust, trusting in God, and then we're going to make a choice to live responsive to God as He begins to deal and work in our lives. If we'll do that, then the peace that we're obtaining in our lives will be peace that we can maintain in our lives. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We're so grateful for the word of God, so grateful for you speaking to us. 
We ask, Lord, that you'll take this message tonight. Let there be something in this message that will uh, really establish. It's, it's uh, really a foundation in our hearts and minds for the way that we'll live and think in the future. For that, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.